nerd. Talk to me, talk to me. Nerd. Talk to me, talk to me. Nerd. The podcast begins. In your ears we will find you, your nerdy best friends, and the Amy to guide you. And we talk about nerd stuff as often as we can. We thank all our listeners for being our friends. Now we're good. It was a parody. It's a parody. We good. It's a parody. We followed the parody class. We've done. I've done lots of parody. Pla- parody. Parody. Parody class. Why is, how, why is it now a thing that every podcast you start with just like a word fumble? It's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Finger guns. Bang bang. <laughs> That's what Luigi does. He goes bang bang. <laughs> All right. Welcome to talk nerdy to me, baby, where we talk nerdy about nerdy things. And today we are talking nerdy about a very specific nerdy thing that maybe you are also a fan of because it comes to you in a podcast form, but also many other forms. But first, some quick announcements. Casey? We don't have any sponsors. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. We are not a sponsored podcast. Maybe one day we shall be, but... We talk nerdy podcasts! Hi, have you figured out what this podcast is about yet? Have you figured out that we're wearing matching Critical Role hoodies yet? Because we are. Wow. Can you see us through this microphone? You have a superpower, and you should either tell people or don't, depending on what's going to be better for you. Yes. Keep your identity secret or don't. That's not my decision. No, that is seriously a decision you must go through on your own. But yes, we may have just today bought... Uh, two Critical Role hoodies. Yeah. Partially because we knew we were going to film this, uh, film, record this episode today. Partially because... Record. Yes. <laughs> we were going to record this episode today and partially because we both wanted one. Yeah. And it was a hot topic. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, they just came out too. Yeah. Yeah. And super fresh. I, for one, am super excited that Critical Role is, has gotten to the point where they can have stuff in places like Hot Topic or... What have you? Because it means I can buy stuff without having to pay shipping. Yeah. Yeah. There are some people apparently who are mad about it, <laughs> and I don't understand. <laughs> but if you can't tell, we are fans. We are fans, and today and we are you talk- are our friends. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are talking about Critical Role. Yeah. Because we are both really big fans. <laughs> Bunch of two of us nerdy ass podcasters sit around and talk about Critical Role and how much we like it. Yeah. That, that's what this episode is. So if you're not being a critical role, well, listen to us do this highly unpaid ad for them. Or, you know. Uh, they don't need it. You just need to like D&D or just like nerdy things, which if you clicked on a podcast that's talk nerdy to me, baby, I think you like nerdy things. I would hope so. Yeah. So, Casey, as this was your idea of an episode, oh. what would you like to talk about? A bit. A bit. Well... Critical Role is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, so, 
I remember first hearing about the, well, actually, uh, the first thing was I read about it. Hmm. Uh, I wish I could find this article. I'm, I know I don't have the magazine anymore, but I remember in a Game Informer magazine, it they interviewed, I believe it was Matt, um, Matthew Mercer. Um, the DM. Yeah. So if you don't know what Critical Role is, it's uh, a live stream show of D&D hmm. with lots of famous voice actors. Yeah. Uh, and lots of them have done really great things. And so I was a fan of most of them already. Uh, I guess the only one I wasn't super familiar with already was Talos and Jaffe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot of people that I know and, and really enjoy. So I was like, ooh, that sounds interesting. But I remember reading this article about how quickly and unexpected their success was because spoiler alert, it's very successful. Yeah. Uh, and it was just a really interesting interview and how like it was just something that they decided to do and didn't really expect anything of it. And like on countless occasions, Matt especially have pointed out how they're just like, this is not something. This is not where they expected their career to go. They just expected it to just be like, they're like, let's try this cool little thing and see if anyone watches it. Yeah, so if you don't know Critical Role or like how Critical Role came to be, Felicia Day, who was the uh, owner or at least, I don't don't think she was CEO, but she was one of the things for Geek and Sundry because it was her company that she owned, um, was friends with, Ashley Johnson and like a few of the other people and Ashley Johnson had appeared on quite a few episodes of um, Tabletop as well as Laura Bailey was also on a couple episodes of Tabletop though I don't remember if that corresponded with once Critical World started or if it was before. Now her fiance how does that fit in the timeline do you know if Brian Foster? Yeah was that uh they were dating before but like before Critical World started yeah it was like because was he already with Geek and Sundry? No. Okay. No. I wasn't sure. Like, that's the only part of the timeline I'm not he was sure not. about. Okay. Um, he came through Ashley Johnson. Okay. But uh, Felicia Day and Ashley Johnson knew each other. And so she had found out through her and, like, other people. Like, it was famous in the voice acting community, but also, like, the acting community that, you know, Matt Mercer was running this D&D game of all these things. And it was, like, famous for being a thing, like, to people in the industry. And so she, Felicia Day, as someone who really likes sharing nerdy things with other people uh, and having her own platform to do so with things like, you know, she had a show with her brother where they did retro games. Well, we had tabletop on Geek and Sundry. She wanted to expand and Twitch was just starting to really become like a big thing. Like it was at the beginning stages of, it was at the beginning of Twitch, but it was at the beginning of Twitch becoming like an actual platform that people recognized. And so she wanted to expand onto Twitch. And so she approached Ashley Johnson was like, would you guys want to, you know, do your game on a live stream and like perform it for people? And they were apparently very like hesitant because it was just their home game that they'd been playing for like a couple of years, I think at that point. And so they got on, they took a chance and, you know, played their game on Geek and Sundry and it just kind of spiraled from there. And so... That's why, like, when you look at the way they started, it was a lot different from how it is now. But it started just because, you know, Felicia Day wanted to share stuff with people. And these nerdy voice actors were like, yeah, we'll take this chance and bring the thing that we really enjoy out and put it in front of people. And people just responded really, really well. 
And it's one of those, like, just miraculous happenstances that just, like, flooded over. And now Critical Role is their own company and are no longer, um, I don't, I won't say they're not associated with Geek and Sundry because I don't think there was, like, any harsh feelings. But they're not a part of Geek and Sundry anymore and they're now their own LLC. Yeah, they, like, I see a lot, like, on Twitter and, like, other, I guess mostly just Twitter and, uh, well, that's an Instagram. But, like, they're still, like, interacting with yeah. a lot of the Geek and Sundry people. Uh, yeah, I think they just got like, too big to stay on Geek and Sundry, and they were big enough to support their own channel and their own company and all that. And so when you asked about Brian Foster Wallace, I think he was brought on just when they needed someone to host Talks Machina when it was on Geek and Sundry. Okay. And so he was the one that they brought on for that. But he, I think he and Ashley Johnson have been dating for like a long time. Yeah, I think it's been a really long yeah, time. Yeah, so it, I think it was just through that. That it it was only recently, like a couple months ago, I think, where I realized the connection. Really? Yeah. Oh, hey, that's funny. I, I, I mean, I think I only knew because of Instagram. I, yeah, I just didn't make that connection. And uh, I follow Ashley Johnson on Instagram and just didn't realize those two points did not connect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's how he ended up in Geek and Centric. Gotcha. Was because of that. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, my, my initial introduction to the show was reading that article because I was familiar with those people uh, and I had a lot of people that I was in shows with constantly like bring it up and and that just became more and more of a frequent thing like you gotta you gotta check out this you gotta check it out and it was always something I was interested in yep uh, but just never got around to it eventually I did you did and the rest is posture you went through the first campaign pretty fast yeah uh, I don't mean to offend, but to catch up much faster, I had to skip the combat. Yeah. Just because I was like, I just need the story. I need to catch up. I've dealt with my feelings on that. I, and I, I'm aware. I take the shame that comes with it, but yeah, I don't anymore. No, but you've only just caught up. Yeah. Like, took me a long time. Yeah. Because you started last year yeah i started like about a year ago yeah. seriously watching it and now i'm caught up on both campaigns yeah you are so how did you first what's what's your story my story your backstory <laughs> so i was still working at a bookstore and um i had been like interested and done like a few little things with D, but never like anything like crazy detail um but I had a fascination with reading the books a lot of the time. And one of my other uh, people who worked there had asked if I watched Critical Role because they knew that I watched a lot of um, Geek and Sundry. So I was a very, very big early adopter to Geek and Sundry. It was one of my favorite channels. It was the one that I would like check and watch all the shows and do everything. And so... They started putting up this show called Critical Role by Legends of Dragons. So I was like, oh, that seems really cool. I'll watch that at some point. Because my big thing at the time when Critical Role started was tabletop. Like, I loved tabletop. And so I made a commitment during a summer where I took a lot of time off to go work at Anime Expo to just, like, marathon. So I had a little tablet at the time that um, I no longer have because it kind of died. But it was free, so yay. Um, and just kind of pushed through. I think they were at like 20 episodes at that point. 
and uh, phone me. <laughs> I know. But they were at like about 20 episodes. And so I caught up pretty fast and just watched as much live as I could during the time in which it was on. I watched a lot of um, the reruns also because I had Twitch Prime. And so that let me do it later on. But in the beginning, it was, I'm trying to think, I think I, I subbed, I think, for a while until Twitch Prime was the thing. So I paid like the five bucks to get to watch it. Otherwise, it went up on the other one. But yeah, I watched a lot of the campaign one live. I don't watch as much as campaign two live because my schedule no longer permits it. But yeah, it was more of it came into my sphere because I like Geek and Sundry and I like nerdy things and I like D&D. And so how familiar were you with... Uh, the cast? Yeah. I knew Ashley Johnson. Okay. <laughs> um, I knew Ashley Johnson because of Last of Us and the fact that she'd been in things. And I did not know of any of the other people at that point. I was not, I'm not like Casey and not an, ex- an encyclopedia of different things. <laughs> it wasn't your love of what women want that got you. I actually liked that movie a lot as a kid and as an adult, I do not. <laughs> but yeah. I'm um, not sure that holds up very well. It does not. <laughs> Let me just tell you straight up, it does not. Not, not just because Mel Gibson. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't really know any of them. I had watched a decent amount of stuff that they've been in, but never really gotten into voice actors at that point. And then it became a thing and I started to go. And then I subscribed to the religion that is Laura Bailey. And <laughs> here we are. The Traveler? I mean, yes. <laughs> uh, so let's kind of give a, a, a rundown. They are on campaign two. Yes, they are. They are oh. like a, probably like a, a third, maybe a fourth of the way through what the story might end up being. You think they're all like a... Yeah, like as a campaign. Do you think they're only a third of the, or a fourth of the way through this campaign? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's how it feels to me. Oh, wow. Because the, the first one had 150 But the episodes. first one also had two years of not on. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, I don't know, but. But this one has 90 over 90 episodes of not. Yeah. And so this one was. It, so for me, it was hard to switch from campaign one to campaign two. So I got behind on campaign two a lot because. After the emotional turmoil of campaign one ending, I was like, I, I don't think I'm ready to like be into these characters. And for me, it was really, really, really hard for like the first like handful of episodes to like the new troop because they were so different from campaign one and I wasn't sure and they were still finding their footing. And so it was interesting because campaign one, we don't see them find their footing so much. Like we kind of do in the beginning, but they but already they had they had their characters pretty established. Yeah. And so coming into campaign two where they're still just finding their footing the entire time, it was very weird. And so like I, I was a little like like I'm not sure if like Yeah. That's also a D and D thing too. Like mm-hmm. uh you know, I'm sure in your experience too, like the first few sessions are kind of rough as far as figuring out your who dynamic, who your characters character are, is. how everyone vibes. Like, even if you've been a group for a while, like, it still takes a little bit yeah. to kind of 
define your character and, and just kind of where you fit with everything. Yeah. No, it's true. And so it's it's hard. It was a hard switch. But I I really like them now. And I'm excited for it. And I get like excited when there are callbacks to all the campaigns. And just to see where the characters are developing and going. Who's on the council? <laughs> and it's really fun, I think, to me to see as like an actor. And someone who really enjoys like character development. To see them settle into these new characters and see how much of their old character was like acting does that make sense yeah definitely uh i mean that's why like you know they say we're in the golden age of tv because like a lot of the writing in tv right now is so good and you know there's just you get so much more development from a character in an episodic or like extended format mm-hmm. instead of just like you know a two-hour movie and that's it you know maybe a sequel or two or whatever but even then it's just like chunks of like two hours or so at a time and that's all you get mm-hmm. um but on like a weekly thing you get more and more out of it um and that's why i like D so much because it lets you dive into the characters yeah. more um would you say that your favorite part of D&D is the RP part versus, like, the, uh, the combat? I would say overall, yeah. I'm, I kind of, I like I like a bit of both. Uh, and I, I like having character moments in combat. Yeah. Uh, which is nice. Uh, but, yeah, I just, I like, well, that's probably my favorite aspect of D&D is, is having that sort of, like, it's like watching a fantasy TV show, except all of the dialogue is improvised. And you get to be a part of it. Yes. Like, that's... I, I that's why I like, geek out so much about it. I, like, the improv of D&D is something that I really like. As someone who was always super afraid of improv, like, it's amazing to realize what you're doing is so much improv. And I, like, I am a huge improv fan and, like, of doing it. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, so you mean I get to, like, add on nerdy stuff and, like... And use add? spells and swords and all of this fantastical nerdy stuff. Person. Yeah, my first campaign was a. Uh, if you didn't know, it was war. Well, I mean, the only yes, the only completed <laughs> campaign I've done so far on my second like big campaign for Pokemon. But my first one was Legend of Zelda themed campaign. Yeah, where I was Zora Bard, and man, that guy will forever be in my heart. <laughs> I love. Bards, and I love specifically my little fishy bard. Yeah. But I, I think it's interesting also to see, like, the different ways people build characters and what, like, what people put together and value in what their character is going to do. Yeah. The, the other interesting thing, too, is, like, you know, people can get really into it and not even be actors. So, like... Mm-hmm. Just because there's so much room for, like, it's such a cool tool to have as an actor. Yeah. You can, you don't, you still don't have to be an actor to do it. Like, literally anyone can play it. And yeah. so, like, the inclusivity of it is, is almost unparalleled, which is so cool. And, like, I don't know, the, the community is so inviting, mm-hmm. or at least, like. The parts that you've been in. Yeah. And it easily can be like any community is going to have its toxic bits and that. Oh, yeah. This and that. But like it's structurally built in a way to be very inviting yeah. and, and 
you know, and... And when it comes to D&D specifically versus, like, other ones, uh, 5e is really designed to invite new players. Yeah, definitely. And so I think it was a very smart decision for them to use 5e because they were using Pathfinder. Yeah, because they started Pathfinder. They were using Pathfinder before, which we are delving into Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Yes. Which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, But, yeah, 5e is... Is really good for uh, like a launching pad for D and D. Yeah, no, I agree. Like straight up, like it, it's. I don't know. I feel like it would. I'm sure there's people out there who would, but I feel like it's really difficult to argue that five E is not the best. I mean, starting point. it's one of those things where it, it's the one that you learned on. It's the one that I learned on, and so it it's hard to argue having not played a lot of the other ones. True, what is but good like, or bad. based on what I know, what I've seen, what, what I've read, like it's, it's the just, most user friendly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like it's, it seems to be the most like streamlined, and thus it makes it really easy for people to understand when watching a show. Yeah. Like it's really easy to understand and grasp onto the combat and all that, and do all that. And I just feel like the part of the one of the other magical things about D anD D is like it just gives you a look inside of the actual people. Yeah. As people. Even though they're playing someone else, like it just it, it has this cool thing. And don't forget snacks. It does have Always snacks. Always have snacks, right, Katie? <laughs> <laughs> uh but like I feel like I know these people having, yeah. you know, gone through so many episodes and watched them for so long, like I just feel like I know them as yeah. people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I've met any of them. I haven't. No. I've met people around them. But yeah. But yeah. Uh, I just, I think we would get along very well. And uh, yeah, so their first campaign, Vox yes. Machina. Uh, if we're going by classes, we have uh, race and classes. We have uh, the Goliath Barbarian, mm-hmm. Grog. Yes. Uh, we have the Gnome Cleric, Pike. There's also the gnome bard uh, of uh, Scanlan and Scanlan Shorthop. Yes, there's Vexalia and uh, Vaxeldon. Vaxeldon. Sorry, I'm like trying to remember everyone's full names. Yeah, they're uh, half elves. They're half elves. Okay, half elves. Uh, a ranger and a ranger and a rogue. Uh, and let's see. We have our druid, uh, Keyleth, yep. and Percy. Percy, our gunslinger. Percival so, von Frederickstein. Yes. So, uh, which is gunslinger, which is a subclass of fighter. Right. Uh, so there's not like the official thing in in five e four, but there's kind of like a way. A, I think I don't I know if it's now, another thing, Connor, but like, but now there is a. "Quote unquote official build right. for a gunslinger." Yeah, um, and so, but Pathfinder has a gunslinger that they could use, and so they had to translate it to Five E. Yeah, and then, uh, so we are in a fantasy world of Matt Mercer's create of his creating, yes. and uh, we have uh, a book, a campaign guide. If you wanted to do a campaign or game no of any length set in that 
the area of, of Vox Machina, there's a book for that. Uh, and now there's another coming out for Capito. Yeah, it's true. Uh, which I'm very excited for. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I do just want to kind of go through some of the, our, our, your favorite moments or like things that sure. stood out to you. Uh, I just, I particularly remember like early on, one of my favorite things was Grog, uh, in the Coliseum mm-hmm. during his battle and losing. And, uh, uh, I remember Vex going, we love you, Grog, and flashing <laughs> <laughs> to, like, inspire him. Yep. Uh. Grog had a lot of really iconic moments. And. Bidet. Bidet. And also, Philip. Oh, my God. That cracks me every time. <laughs> like, all right, so when you go out there, you need a warrior's name, a cool, strong name. What? Like, we've got to give you something. All right. I will be named Philip. <laughs> it's so like uh, in the moment perfection. There's it within like the first story arc where I think they're in the underdark. I like I think that's where it happens. There's one of the combats where Scanlan like traps people in a water bottle bubble and insults them to death. Ah, and that was my first ever kill in D anD. d was insulting someone to death. Yeah, it's with great. vicious mockery. It's great. I told, uh, well, the Zelda version is like a moblin. I told it. I said, "You suck," to the point where it died, <laughs> and I kept saying it and saying it until its head exploded. You suck! You suck! You suck! You suck! You suck! And then <laughs> it was great. But yeah, that was always really fun. Um, I I enjoyed the evolution of like Percy and Vex. It was one of those things where like I didn't really like it until I was like, oh no, yeah, I, I like this. I think it's fun. But I like the Briarwoods. Like, w- is one of the best arcs of like their entire thing. I enjoyed the Briarwood arc so much. Like that's when I started to actually like Percy because before I was like me on Percy, and so it was really interesting to me to see the evolution of that. And I also just like. Dark deals and all the kinds of and things. Vampires. And vampires and the undead and lich kings and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But I also like the one of the things that draws me to Critical Role is I'm a really big fan of like a lot of the tropes in fantasy. So like the ascension of someone trying to be a god. Or, you know, we are the destined heroes and when they went to go find the vestiges and all that kind of stuff. Like I really enjoyed those type of things. So Getting to see that and the evolution of that was really, really exciting. And then seeing like people make, you know, deals for the souls of their friends and all these sorts of things. It was it it has all the things to make me love it. Yeah. A lot of a lot of really high stakes, uh in well just in general, but specifically in campaign one. Hello Kitty, would you like to speak into the mic? Do you have anything you would like to say? <laughs> <laughs> She's also a friend, friend, a friend, friend of the Briarwoods. Uh, yeah, like I, I don't know. I just over time just became really attached to these characters. I think it was again because they were already so defined. Mm-hmm. Um, and another fun thing about Critical Role in general is that uh, <laughs> they always have to find an excuse for one of their characters to leave for a little while. Yep, uh, because. 
Ashley Johnson is often busy being on TV. Yeah, so during the first one, she had the blind spot for most of it. She's it's the show's over, so she's back. Now. Yeah, yeah, I think I think she's wrapped now. And yep, for filming. Yep, the final season. No, so. that's why they kept being like, "We got our Ashley back." Yeah, so unless she gets another show, and I mean, she away. is highly successful. Yeah. So. She started off on Growing Pains. Growing Pains? I never watched it. And Little Talis and Jaffe and Mr. Mom. Also didn't watch it. Yeah. Uh, I saw a little bit of Growing Pains because that's where a little little fella that they added onto the show by the name of Leo DiCaprio. Woo. Hey, I enjoy him. But I yeah, know you do. It was, it's funny because they basically, I think the show ended up ending because he was becoming too popular maybe i, d- I don't know I, that's a similar thing happened with the with family ties and michael j fox it mm. was like i can't be here because i have to film he filmed back to the future at the same time as family times it was like back forth. well i'm pretty sure that i mean i don't think that's why the show melissa and joey ended but you know <laughs> Melissa and Joey was a thing, and then the kid became the kid who was in Love, Simon, and started doing all the things, and yeah. thus was always, like, not there, which was sad, because he was my least favorite part of that show. <laughs> and I was like, can we just keep everyone else? Yeah. Hi, but sometimes, But sometimes you get uh, special guests. Yeah, you do. Uh, speaking of people coming from TV shows, uh, Kari Payton, who was King Ezekiel from... Yeah. The Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who's you? What one thing I do like is that it, it's kind of expanded what people think of as D and D players, and so not just like a lot of girls play D and D, but like they've had so many guests of like different types of people that like you have the jocks, you have people who aren't you know nerdy white guys, you have young, you have old, you have authors, you have actors, you have. You know, people who do other things for a living that isn't performing and yet still do really well in this kind of setting. Yeah, it goes everywhere from like, uh, you got Darren DePaul, who's yes. a great older gentleman who's always like decked just to the nines whenever yes. he plays. Uh, and you've got somebody who, like, I, one of my favorite things is, uh, some guy, like super buff dude, posted a selfie from the gym. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not a nerd. Uh, I don't play D and D at Super Lame." And then Joe Manganiello you know, posted a picture of himself on the cover of Men's Health magazine, magazine, like shredded completely. He's like, "I do." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's really fun to see how this has changed the face of D and D. So like the thing about Critical Role is like it's not just like personal impact. Like it's made me feel more comfortable being like a DD player and being whether I'm new to it, old to it, or just trying new things because you see everyone trying their first campaigns, you know, running a one shot live for the first time ever and being like, I've never done this before, da, 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 which has always like made me feel better about like when you try to do a thing and it goes well or it doesn't go well, or like you figure things out along the way to see people who do this more or less professionally also feel that way and do and go through that kind of experience but it's also um yeah because a lot of them like did their first yeah that was their first dming pretty much like, everyone who wasn't at mercer yeah except for liam who had i th- i can't remember if frank and peter was like his first one or if he had dm for his kids i wasn't 
friend computer, the second one he did, because it wasn't the the first one, the like the heisty one. Which is? Uh, where like spoiler alert, everyone dies. I mean, yeah, but it's part one and part two. So I my thought was of it as a story. Okay, I remember like the one where it was like they tried to pull a fast one on this old lady. Yeah. And it was all a trap. Yeah. So yes. But I, since it kind of was the thing then they played themselves but then they weren't themselves and then all that. Yeah. I, I counted it as one. Um because it was one story. But yeah, so I think he, that might have been his first time, but I can't remember if he DMs for his kids before then. Yeah. But like, yeah, most of them have all had their first round of going about it on this and it's one of those things where it, it's nice to see people do it for the first time because it makes you feel better about every time that you do a game and you're like, man, that could have been better or man, like what I'm the only person who sucks at doing something. And it shows that like, you know, everyone is creative in different ways. Like everyone's watch ups that they've DM'd have been very different and they've very DM'd. fun. They've DM'd. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, yeah. It, but like the just the range of all the stuff has always been great and the fact that it's made D&D so much more accessible to so many more people because you know now they have a meeting point to talk to people about because you know it it sometimes is, it is easier to approach people about things like this by being like oh hey you watch this show too do you want to play a game versus like trying to find people who are like know the game and it's not as obvious. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, it's definitely created. Uh, if people are more shy, it gives them something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like me, I, I kind of get in trouble with myself when I'm at work. I see any resemblance of someone uh, interested in D&D or that they like it. I'm like, I just start chatting them up because I'm like, it's something I can talk about and enjoy talking about. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's an easy icebreaker. It's a quick way to to make friends and like I have noticed that like people who are a bit shy to talk about things if they see that you also enjoy what they enjoy yeah. especially in the case of D&D they they are more willing to reach out and and, and speak up yeah. because it's like you know and it's just it's kind of widened the gap of people who are willing to talk about it because it was always that thing of like it's that thing that people that like nerds lock themselves in their basement and play yeah and one and of the the jokes i always love is uh satanist parents are disappointed when they find out D is just improv and math <laughs> <laughs> oh the math like i never thought i would like a math game but here I am. <laughs> but it's like, it, it's one of those things, like, for me, it inspires a lot of creativity. And, like, I love making, like, videos based around it where I can try to figure out how to build a thing in it. Or, you know, running games where you try to build a thing. And seeing people, like, doing that and experimenting and being open with it and being willing to fail or being willing to just kind of mess up is really, really nice. And, like, just the... The yelling, the laughing, the being attached to the, your characters and other characters mm-hmm. and just the camaraderie and the anger and everything, all of the emotions that you get from it uh, is is just so unique. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, this one I think is interesting because, one, you're watching it live. So, like, there's a difference for me watching something like Critical Role when it's 
uh, pre-recorded because I know everything has moved on yeah. versus like once you catch up. And so watching like the first campaign when they got towards the end and it was all these things and now it's like the stakes of like, you know, anyone could have died before and there were, there were times, but like they reached the point where like this is the end, the end game and you like not only do you not have any idea what's going to happen, the players and the people going through the story don't have any idea what's going to happen. Yeah, you could, could be. I mean, yeah. it's like anything could happen. And so the 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 stakes feel so high when you're watching it at that point because it's it's one thing to watch a show, like to watch a scripted television show or what have you because the people who made that episode all of them know what's going to happen. And people have argued that Critical Role is scripted and I think they don't understand what improv is. <laughs> and they also don't understand what, you know, talking to your DM about what you want for your character and having them work it in so you have an idea of what could be happening, but not the idea. Yeah. Like, there, there's just, there's too many factors. And, you know, part of the excitement and just randomness as a DM is like, you know, uh, it's like getting, I mean, it is and isn't, but it's similar to like getting a script in, in your actor's hands for the first time. Cause like, and doing a cold read. Yeah, because it's like, things are going to happen that you never could have planned or expected yep. because it's just something that happens in the moment. And, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Yeah, and sometimes, sometimes you get to use your battle map and sometimes you just don't. <laughs> and sometimes your players one up the DM. Yep. Uh, so and sometimes they really don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's just all of that and all of the in between, and and watching people that you know I already had an admiration mm-hmm. for do that uh, just is it's just become one of my my favorite things, and just all of the voices and the characters that we see and yeah. learn from our mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're quick, really quickly to uh, to talk a bit about camping too. Uh, whenever I started really getting into it was when that one started, when camping two was starting, and I was like, "No, no, I have to go." I tried. I was like, "I'm just going to start with camping two and eventually go back to camping one." And I was like, "Nah, I got to go back to camping one." Which I was very happy about because I, at that point, was still at the thing of like, "I love these characters. Please, someone talk I to me." I watched part of the second, or yeah, like I started watching camping two, and I got about like maybe half an hour in. I'm like, "No, this just doesn't feel right." I know it's going to take me forever, but I, I just have to start from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm really glad that I did. But we have uh, Not. Yes. Who is our rogue. Not the Brave. Not the Brave. Uh, we have Jester. Jester. Our Tiefling Cleric. Yes. Who has a last name, but I don't remember. It's such with an L. Lily Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, so yeah, Not is a Goblin Rogue. A Goblin Rogue. Jester is a Tiefling Cleric. Yep. You have uh, Ford, the half orc. Fjord. Fjord. Uh, the half orc. Well. He, he, the half orc. Yeah. No, no I was going to say he's the half orc, half orc warlock. Yeah. Uh, don't know if we need to do spoilers. I don't spoilers. know. I think for campaign two, I, I'll be a little. Yeah. Uh, but that obviously doesn't help the fact that now it sounds like there's a thing. Yeah. But anyway. There's uh, Caleb the wizard. Yes. And his Caleb familiar Shadow. from 
Frumpkin. Frumpkin. Who most often is a cat. Yes. Most often is an orange tabby cat. Yeah. Uh, or an octopus that he wears on his head. There's Bo the monk. Yes. Beauregard. Beauregard, yes. It's the the human monk. Human monk who just gets all the flirts and does all the flirts back. I mean, that is still true of Keyleth in Campaign 1. It's true. And it's, it's just Marisha. Yep. Uh, and then there is uh, Yasha the yes. Barbarian. Yes. Who's also... She, She's not Asimov. Oh, Asimar. that's right. That's right. Asimov. That's yep. right. Uh, so, which I think they say is Asimov. I always said Asimov, but whatever. Yeah, I think it's Asimov. I mean, Matt Mercer says Asimov. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. There's also one of my favorite... Uh, he, he says, you make your way to the Bay of Gifts. And Sam says, I've always heard it pronounced the Bay of Gifts. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... <laughs> And that is Sam Regal. That's how you. That's how you deal with uh, different pronunciations of things. Uh, and then, well, there's there's Molly Mock. Yes, Molly Mock, who is a blood hunter. Yep. And then there is Caduceus. Uh, Caduceus Clay, uh, who is also a cleric. Yeah. What's the Furbog? Furbog. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I never remember the name, actual name of the. And race. Molly Mock is a tifa. Yeah. Yes. So a bunch of interesting characters, uh, a lot more playful on the dialects and accents this time around. But here's the thing: like the campaign one was definitely more them. Like this is who they are and how they would have like played themselves in D and D. Campaign two was them putting on a character and just campaign two started as being like, oh, this is them trying to be like serious characters, but also ridiculous, yeah. and then. We got to see what they were really like when they were ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, if we want to go a step further than that, or at least a few steps further, uh, I would like to talk about the Darrington Brigade. The Terrian Darrington Brigade. Yeah, so there's a character from Campaign 1. Yes, uh, who is that, the artificer. Yes, who Sam plays for a while. Um, and... Terry. Tarion Darrington. No, I just... I um, like... I like Doty, who's like, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, who has his faithful companion, uh, Doty. Uh, who I think is technically a wolf or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a construct. Essentially like a robot. He, he's a robot. Uh, a robot butler. There was a friend. one shot of him, like, continuing. Hey. How many years was it? Was uh, it? It's like 20 or so years. Yeah. After campaign one. I think he's supposed to be like 40. Yeah, uh, they, he has like basically his little group of do-gooders and... He started a non-profit Heroes for Hire. It's basically the A-team. Yeah, <laughs> uh, except worse. Yeah, um, the, the and F-team. <laughs> yep. Uh, and God, like, I, I have to point that, that one shot out because it just... It's great. It is peak going there for everyone in the cast and it's just the beauty of like peak D D. Of yes. just like how far you can go and how fun you can how much fun you can have with your characters and the creativity uh and so like it, it all comes back to just they're professionals mm-hmm. they're professional actors they're professional voice actors and like they just 
are really good examples of people really doing a great job with their kids. Yes. Uh, so I, th- I think that's one macaroni. of the things. Macaroni. <laughs> I, I just think it's the peak of showing of what you can <laughs> do. Sorry, I got dive bombed by a cat. <laughs> she's, she's trying to do a sneak attack. Oh, and <laughs> fell off the bed. Uh, that was a crit fail on Aaron's part. Yeah, I mean. Oh, now she's hiding under the bed. Oh. She, she did her attack, she missed, and I used hide. hide. <laughs> I used my bonus action to hide. Yup. Uh, so, like, I mean, we could obviously go on and on forever, yeah. but just the, the wonder, the mysticism, just having these very talented people lead the way in a way that I don't think they, they never expected to be. No, and, and people a lot of times like wonder or complain or what have you about like the success of Critical Role and like its place in D&D and all that, but it, it's invited so much for the masses and I think a lot of people who get mad at that about like, no, the people in my game or whatever are people who, like, like the term is generally, like, gatekeepers who want to keep people out because it's their thing. And I I think those people just need to understand that, like, it's better when more people like your thing. But it's also, like, the success is partially due to the fact, in my opinion, that they're actors, that they're people who know that. Because not only do they know how to develop character, but they know how to, de- to develop narrative structure. And so when you look at Critical Role and what makes it successful versus, like, other ones is... Having watched other versions, um, people who have a history in just narrative structure and character development do a lot better in a long form, like enjoyable show versus people who don't because you have people who are playing the game and you get people who are telling a story using a game. And so one of the things that makes Critical Role so successful is the fact that they can have like character arcs and story arcs and they have people who recognize, you know, eh excuse me, Arwen, the need to let moments breathe and let people have their, like, to know when a scene, because, like, a lot of the way critical role works is in scenes, um, is to know when, like, the scene is not about them and when the scene is happening to other people and forwarding the story in different ways and being able to trust that, like, things come back to them or things are moving forward and just kind of trust where the story is going. Um... And so one of the things, and I think that just that ability to tell a story and fully put together something to let people engage with it and grow with it is part of why Critical Role is really successful. And so when you see people who are out there trying to do them or other D&D shows, a lot of times like you lack that full connection. Not to say that there aren't other great D&D live streams or VODs or podcasts or what have you. I have not listened or watched all of them. But I think when you want to look at the scale of success, part of the thing that makes them stand out is the fact that like they have that background, which just inherently gives them more practice and skill at telling stories in a way that resonates with audiences. And so I think when you're looking at why this is like now a beloved franchise, that's that was one of the many keys to their success. Yeah, and just seeing them, like, 
it's part of D&D. One minute you're laughing and the next you're having like a super serious mm-hmm. moment and they all do it really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to call out Sam Regal in particular just because he has like the silliest and goofiest moments and then just hits you with this super dramatic stuff and you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like. Like, ouch. Yeah. Like ouch. some of the heaviest stuff and just, you know, being able to it's like a weird hybrid like before you know and in the, like the BBC and stuff like radio plays are still very mm-hmm. popular and using the power of the spoken word to create the visuals mm-hmm. for you and you know just even though they're singing talking around at a table like you can see and visualize what they're saying what and they're not doing just and not and that's not talking about like the battle maps and stuff right which are great uh like i saw um it was a stage reading of uh lysistrata it was called like lysistrata unbound i think it was it was like uh you know a more modern version of the classic greek play yeah um, and it had some pretty big actors, like Olympia Dukakis, yeah, uh, and her brother uh, Apollo. Uh, so I'm like, oh gee, I wonder why they're doing the Greek play. <laughs> but like, it was so good. Like they were just sitting with their scripts next to them, but using their words and their actions and their gestures, like you were there, you could see it. And you know. When you're playing D and D and you're in it and you're feeling it, like you can see these things for yeah. yourself, you can visualize these things for yourself, and like it's just it's just a very interesting medium and like that they do and it, 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 they just well. have a good dynamic because I feel like at this point, whether or not it started out that way or not, they have a good balance of like what everyone wants from the game. So, like, there are definitely players who lean more into the role-play aspect. There are definitely players who lean more into the fighting aspect. And they've taken turns, like, experimenting with what works best for everyone. But they all have the ability to do both to whatever extent that they want to. And it's a choice of whether or not they want to lean into it versus, like, an inability. And so they they found, like, a good balance between all of the aspects of D&D. And, yeah, just... They they have proven that, you know, so long as you can tell good stories, the medium that you're using th- is up to you. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, I guess one of the last things to touch on before we before we end is uh, just how lovely is Jester? Jester. Um, I think the term that has been used in canon is like aggressively likable. <laughs> I think is the term that Mercy used in like the latest episode as of this recording is aggressively likable. Indeed, indeed. Uh like just absolute peak like Laura Bailey is a national treasure. Yes. Uh she like is always in it uh and just fully commits to it and just has just such a memorable character that right? I, just, I care so much about. And it's not that I, and I loved Vexalia. Me too. But I did not think I could, like, Vexalia could be topped for me, but I really like Jester. Yeah. Like, like 
And here's the thing. I'm trying not to do like spoilers for campaign two. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying not to do spoilers for campaign two, but man, I am so excited to see where Jester goes. Like that is, that is my favorite thing. As I've been recording for this, uh, one of the most recent episodes was just like, it's just, it's, it's peak D and D. Like I've said so many times, but like, man, just someone knowing the game and knowing it well and and playing it so well like to an impressive level it's yeah. like man like things can happen no you just don't expect nope even if you're someone who's been running the game and running the game for these people for years you can still be surprised yep. um, get your tickets to TravelerCon <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, we can obviously go on and on forever, yeah. but yeah, I just wanted to take a bit of time to acknowledge something that clearly has like a large influence on us. Yeah. Uh, again, like most of the voice actors are ones that I deeply admire and being able to mix the company of that with something else that I've grown to love and more and more to an obsession level, yeah. uh, over the past close to two years. Yes, as we look over at my shelf of ever-growing books. Yes. Uh, I just, I, I wanted to acknowledge and say thank you to the cast of Critical Role for, you know, all that they've done for the community of D&D and how much they mean to, to us and to so many people. And just their commitment to, you know, telling the best story they can and doing the best that they can, like every week and just opening an avenue that people didn't believe was a thing and yeah i'm just so happy that DD culture has exploded to the way that it has it gives the best memes they ain't nothing much better than a great DD meme yeah <laughs> uh but yeah so I, yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us sing the praises literally at the beginning of uh critical role and uh yeah, if, there, if there's, I'd like to know for, for you fans of Critical Role out there, what you feel about it, how you found out about it, what are your favorite things, what you like, and, and those sort of things. Just, uh, I don't know, it's felt like another very positive episode. So I'd yeah. like to keep a lot of positive things going. Uh, keep and, the positivity flowing. Yeah. And may your roles always be natural 20s. Or at least above a 15. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to say, Arwen? No? Maybe? Yes? Yes? Okay. Well, from all of us here at Talk Nerdy to Me Baby, thank you for joining us this week. Hopefully you will come back and join us again next week. And until then, we have been in your ears and you have hopefully listened all the way to now. As you are our friends. Our friends. You can talk to us online at, at Twitter and on Instagram and everywhere else. I am Amy Brevesy on all social media. And I'm Case Crusader. And from our rogue year... No? No. Maybe? No. No? She, she refuses. Okay, there you thank go. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, Arwen. And goodbye. Goodbye.